Yes, yes. Welcome back to the Who That Kiss podcast. It's your boy RK. We'll be joined shortly by JD. And today we got a very special guest from The Athletic. Larry Holder will be joining us today. And we're going to get some insights on the Saints as Larry is very tightly wound to those, uh, those Who Dats and knows exactly what's going on in New Orleans. So uh, get some insights, get some information, ask some questions, learn a little bit more about Larry. And maybe maybe Larry will jump in on our top five dislike thing uh, that we got going on here on this on the Who Dat Kiss podcast. Other than that, happy that you're back. Talk to you soon. We'll be back with Larry and Justin. All right, welcome back to the Who Dat Kiss podcast. It's your boy RK rocking with JD, and we got the Honorable Larry Holder from the Athletic joining us today. Thank you so much for joining us, Larry. Man, honorable. That's uh, you're making me sound like I was elected as a judge or something. You know? Hey, uh, nah, man. Uh, you're, you're, listen, you're, I appreciate the title. You're big. You're big time, man. This is this is big time for us. We're like we're sitting here like kids that are about to, I don't know sit on Christmas Eve, being like let's let's wait for the time to get to twelve o'clock. Um, no, you're, you're big time, man. It's it's good to talk to somebody who's so uh, in touch with what's going on in New Orleans and with the Saints, and you're definitely that guy. So. Um, I appreciate you guys having me, especially Canada. I know uh, the Athletica is wide across Canada, so I, I'm sure uh, I appreciate you guys giving me the platform. 100%, man. So, Justin, you want to lead us off here? What's going on? Yeah, so, so Larry, I, I just want to talk about sort of like the current state of the stage, I guess, to start us out. Um, and, and one thing I, I want to get your take on is, is the locker room at this point in time. I know Sean has prided himself and the organization on having a strong locker room for years now. And it seems like it's only getting stronger with Emmanuel Sanders and Malcolm Jenkins, Jared Cook last year, and even Demario Davis a few years ago. Uh, in your opinion, is this the best locker room that we've had in the Sean Payton era? I would say it is pretty close. Uh, you know, obviously, they had a good one in 2009 when they won it all because I feel like in that sense, that might not have been the best overall team that the Saints have ever produced as far as talent-wise. Like, I would argue their 11 team was better. I would argue that maybe their 18 team was better than that one that won the Super Bowl. But uh, they were they were a cohesive unit. There's no question. And I mean, look, the locker room is a bigger question now than ever, just because of what's happened uh, this off season. Uh, with Drew Brees' comments and uh, the the public rift that we saw within this locker room, and like you know, I've uh, you know had discussions with uh, with some of his teammates and this, that, and the other, and uh, and it's, of course the uh, the assistant coaches have all been on uh, and, and doing media uh, throughout these past couple of weeks, uh, and that discussion has certainly come up, and like I, I think if there is a locker room that could absorb what has happened, uh, it would be this one. And I do think it's part of uh, the fact that uh, Drew Brees, he's he's certainly one of the most uh, trustworthy people within the locker room, and I still think people believe that within that locker room. Yeah. And then 
when you bring up players like Demario Davis and Malcolm Jenkins, uh, you know, and Cam Jordan, of course, has been there uh, for a, a decade now. And, you know, you bring up some of these guys, and I think the fact that they're on this team with Drew Brees, I think that brings it all together. So, because before this happened, we wouldn't even have to mention it because you would just assume this is a great locker room. Like, yeah. and, it, and it is. And so, you know, the fact that this is a, a topic and it's because of what you, something that Drew Brees did is really kind of just, it's mind-blowing, kind of, that that's what we have, what, what is being discussed, rightfully so. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I do think if there's any locker room in the NFL that can absorb this, kind of grow from this, and excel from this, even maybe be a little closer, uh, a little tighter-knit as far as, a, you know, a locker room as a whole, I think it would be the same. Well, I have, I have a little bit to chime in on there and ask you kind of a follow-up. Like I listened to your your call in on the Rich Eisen show um, when they, when he was asking you about Drew and I guess I guess for me the the first question is and you can just pretty yes or no but uh, is it exhausting to be the go to guy to kind of answer these questions for a bunch of people a bunch of media heads that really want to know what's going on inside that locker room because you're going to be a little bit closer and tighter to them or do you kind of revel in being that guy that's that's close to it and the second portion is I have a firm belief that like. The guys that you guys have both mentioned in Demario, Malcolm, and Cam, those guys play defense. And your defensive and offensive units don't always have to get along. And that's been shown on a lot of different teams. A lot of the Patriot teams have had that, that kind of a concept where the defense actually doesn't really like the offense. And they kind of just keep to themselves. With a lot of these young guys on the defense and big voice young guys like CJ, GJ, and Marshawn, they really haven't come, come out and said anything really positive that I've seen anyways about Drew after the comments. So do you think that there might be that division that, that just c- keeps a defensive unit to one side and then offense obviously rise a Drew? Or do you think that, like you said, that this locker room could overcome that and then make make forward? Yeah, I'll start with the first question. Uh, look, it, it's, the timing was, uh, me personally, was wild because I was literally on vacation that week. And uh-huh. I, yeah, and so, you know, I'm learning about this uh, as we went to, my, my family went to a little resort in, in Alabama for a couple of days, and I'm getting out of the pool, and I'm going up to the bar, and that's how I'm really learning about this, because I'm like, I put my phone away, I'm like, I don't care what's going on, <laughs> I didn't think anything like this would go on, and so, I mean, I kind of I kind of came out of vacation a little early, uh, and it was, like, I, like, like you said, uh, you know, I, because it's not like coaching staff and players and this, that, and the other were coming out openly in droves quickly. I mean, you, you were having maybe like Demario Davis, and that's really about it, like going on CNN and, you know, Mountain Jenkins and things like that. But, but you know, mostly, you know, people are looking to someone who has been around everyone, uh, you know, for as long as I have. Look, I've covered, I've covered the team since 2006. My literal first day on the beat was when Drew Brees signed his first contract. Yeah, so I've covered that's amazing. It, you know, so I, so I, you know, I, and I've covered Malcolm Jenkins since he's been drafted, like you know, and, and things like that, and kept in touch with him uh, a little bit throughout the years. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it's something that I, I feel like it's almost a duty to paint the right picture, uh, the, the picture that I feel like is going on, because there, you know, people who don't know the players and don't know the inner workings you know I, I feel like it's 
kind of like my duty to go out there and do that. Like, like I would explain it to where I, you know, I think Drew Brees certainly stepped in it, but I, I believe that his change in of heart is legitimate. Like, I felt like I had, it was my duty to, I don't want to say stand up for Drew, but kind of put in context that he's not all of a sudden this bad person. Like, I, I feel like that because that was being painted. But I also felt like that his teammates certainly had a legitimate reason uh, to question him. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do feel like that's why, uh, you know, I was like I was on in Canada a couple of times uh, throughout that. And, you know, Miami, Atlanta, you know, Sirius XM. Uh, you know, Mad Dog Radio, Fox Sports Radio, Rich Eisen. You, you know, I was like, I just felt it was my duty to even to to get on there and do that. And, you know, I'm not. They're calling me. I, you know, I'm not saying, hey, hey, look at me. You know, yeah, so yeah. it's uh, and so in that sense, like, I just feel like it's uh, and that's kind of my role. I feel like just as a columnist and and someone who's covered the team for so long, you know, you want to paint the picture that you feel is accurate because people who aren't around it. Uh, not might not necessarily have the right idea, so I, I feel like that's kind of in in, in my duty. And then, uh, yeah, it, it is. It, your second question is really uh, definitely one that I'm curious about, and you you make a good point. It's not like you have everybody has to like each other. Like that is, you know, that's just even in in smaller workplaces, not everybody likes each other, but. When it's time to go to work, you go to work, and if you're going to be a great company or a great team, you work as hard as you can to get your job done, and then everybody else does the same thing, and then you have a great product or a great team. And, yeah. You know, I, and I, I definitely understand that there could be players that aren't going to necessarily 100% buy into what you're selling on this roster. Like, I get it. And you mentioned a couple of guys, and there are probably others. And yeah. I'm sure there are probably others who are like, okay, this would be Drew's last ride, and then we'll move on to a new chapter next year. Yeah. And then, you know, and so, the, you know, and I'm sure that it's not going to probably be spoken a lot about publicly because uh, I'm sure they want to kind of band together with this thing publicly. But I'm sure just, you know, internally and maybe like some players are saying, look, I'm not buying what he's selling. Uh, but, you know, if they don't do their job and they kind of lay down on the job and slack off, look, it could cost them their job. So, 100%. you know, there's that double-edged sword of doing that. So, like, I agree. Like, not everybody has to be uh, kumbaya, you know, this, that, and the other. But they need to understand that, uh, you know, their, their job uh, and their livelihood is to play as a team, play together. They don't have to hang out after, but play as a team, do the best you can. So, you know, uh, like, I think, I, I'm, I'm sure that there is going to be some sort of dynamic there where not everybody buys it. I mean, that's just human nature. 100%. Like, Justin and I were both talking about this previously, saying, like, usually Drew Brees has a, a, a pretty slow start to the year with regards to preseason. Throws a lot of camp, throws a lot of picks in camp. You know what I mean? Because he's trying out different things. I have a feeling Drew might come out sharp and try and attack these DBs because it seems like it's the DB room that really has a problem with Drew right now um, and, and aren't letting it go. So it'd be interesting to see if Drew went right after Malcolm Jenkins at the starting of the year in camp and, uh, and was super sharp. That'd be a benefit for both the DB room to, to shore up some of their, weak, their weaknesses and uh, also have Drew nice and, nice and prime ready to go. 
Um, I know yeah. I know Justin had another question here. Justin, what was the other question? Yeah, yeah. So we, we've talked about the locker room and kind of like the inner workings of how that might go down with with the you know most recent events that took place in early June. So now going on to the field, um, I know you mentioned you know 2011 and 2018 are two really good rosters. Um, where, where do you place this roster? Not sitting in the other course in the field, but where do you place this roster in in um, I guess the, the um, in terms of what, what the best roster the Saints have fielded in the past, you know, 15 years. This roster coming up, is, is this one of the top three, top two? Is it the best roster you've had? And and what's the strongest group, and what do you think is the weakest group we have uh, so far? Ooh, at this point, you know, uh, you know I, I feel safe in saying this roster's got to be uh, right up there with all of these. And, you know, and I'm just going to put a disclaimer out there. This is one I've got to have to eat forever. Uh before the 2014 season, I wrote a column agreeing with Archie Manning saying, oh, this 2014 roster is the best roster I've ever seen with the Saints, and we both look like buffoons. So uh, I feel a little bit more confident saying that I do feel like that this, this roster this year, uh, boy, I don't want to go out and say it's the best, but it could. when it's all said and done, it might be. Like, there's certainly – from top to bottom, uh, you know, every year I do, uh, and this goes back uh, seven years now, I, I do a, a top 20 players list, like ranking from 20 to 1 every year uh, before uh, training camp starts. And I'm going to be doing that at the Athletic as well. And I'm literally going through, and I, I, I can make an argument for almost 30 players to be on this list. And I've yeah. never seen anything like that. Yeah. Like, there are a lot of years where I'm thinking, I hit 14, and now I'm I'm scrounging. I'm like, where do I go from here? Yeah. Uh, and this is the one where I could legitimately make cases for uh, about 30 players. And so much so where I'm probably going to write a column before explaining why I left these players off the list because I felt like they were in the argument. And so I've never, I felt like I've never had to do that before. So, you know, uh, and then, so I feel like, you know, I didn't know that that 11 team would be as uber talented. Uh, you know, I, I did feel like 18, that team was going to be good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know, I felt like at 19, that team was going to be good. Uh, and so going into 20, look, I feel like this team is going to be good. Because in 17, we didn't really totally see it coming. I mean, that was kind of a, a make or break year yeah. uh, uh, after the 7 and 9. Uh, but you know, as far as strongest position groups, uh, look, I feel like the uh, when you look at, say, I, I think the offensive line is still a strong group. Uh, you know, we're going to be having some, some interchanging pieces that uh, we don't have the complete answers to right now, but I still feel like that, that is going to be a strong group. Uh, uh, just, the quarterback room. Just, the just, quarterback to cut, room. just to cut you off there for a second, you said the, the offensive yeah. line. Throckmorton or Greenridge, which one makes the team? If you have to just guess right now, I I did my initial no OGA no minicamp fifty three man uh, and I took Throckmorton on okay. uh, and left the Greenwich off. Um, but you know those guys, you know they, they're certainly going to have to fight the battle okay. for a roster spot. Yeah. Um, but uh, as far as yeah, look, I mean it's a question that uh, with Ruiz and, and McCoy and then uh, you know, who's going to play center, who's going to play guard, and then. Uh, you're wondering if uh, Pete can rebound. I mean, he got a huge feel if he can rebound. So 
But I do think overall, look at talent. They got the, the best tackle duo in, in the league. I think Ruiz and McCoy are going to be good regardless of where they play. So, you know, I, I feel like that group is good. I, I feel like uh, the, the defensive line also, I, I think it, they're probably deeper than they've been in yeah. a while. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I still think that uh, uh, people should not give up on someone like Marcus Davenport. Uh, I know there's the expectations there, but I feel like they're good at those tackle out around. I like where obviously Camp Jordan. That's an easy one. Yeah. They got some good depth at defensive tackle. Uh, you know, I feel like linebacker is a question because you have Demario Davis and everybody else. Uh, I feel like that group. Uh, you're gonna. You, you really kind of missed out on some good practice time to see where maybe Anzalone is health wise and uh, an early indication of where you can play Zach Vaughn and. How about Caden Ellis? And then I laugh, like I put on my 53 man, after, you know, a couple weeks ago or last week. I forget when I ran. June 10th. Uh, I you put Joe Bocci on the roster. Yeah. Undrafted rookie from Michigan State uh, because I felt like he could have been like a mid round draft pick. The Saints have a penchant of hanging on to an undrafted linebacker a lot of these years, and he could be someone there. Uh, you know, and so, uh, and like I also feel like. People are really hammering home corner, corner, corner. I mean, look, a lot of NFL rosters aren't, uh, they don't go super deep at corner. I mean, I feel like they've got one of the best duos uh, that they've had in a long, long time with Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins. I feel like people forget that Janoris Jenkins is actually a really good player. Like, like they sleep on him. I get the concerns that nickel, uh, but if there's a pinch, look, CJ GJ could play that position. I mean, he's he's certainly an up and comer, and they want to have him on the field even more than they had last year. And like last year, I think he played about fifty percent of the snaps, which for someone when you thought wouldn't be able to play that much early, that's a lot of snaps for for someone like him. And so, uh, you know, I, could they use is depth there? Yes, everybody could use depth there though in the league. So, uh, you know, and I, I do also think. An underrated spot is running back, where I feel a little bit of a question. Um, I know they brought in Ty Montgomery, and he could be a good fit um, if something were to happen to Kamara. Uh, but, you know, I, I do feel like it's, there's some question there. You know, Latavius Murray, is he's his own style of a back. And I, I'm wondering about Kamara, if he can rebound. I mean, obviously an important year for him, so... I do think there's a little bit of a sneaky bit of concern for me at running back. Yeah. And, and I, I kind of had a feeling you might choose linebacker as, as a group that you saw some weaknesses. So I had a question prepared to kind of ask you now as well. Um, you know, with Mike Nolan leaving for Dallas and A.J. Klein going to Buffalo and the uncertainty of Anthony year in and year out, plus even Kiko Alonso on, on his, you know, third or fourth um uh, knee surgery. How, how do you see Dennis Allen scheming differently this year? Is he going to have to come up with some, you know, creative plan to have more uh, of, the, of the safeties playing at like a hybrid linebacker position, or, or what, what do you see him doing to kind of counterbalance uh, like the losses he's had, as well as the injury concerns with uh, with two other guys who probably will end up starting if, if they're both healthy. Yeah, Alonzo. I'm assuming he's just going to be on pup. Uh, it, when their training camp begins, and look, I don't think he'll be—I don't think he'll be ready to go by the start of the season. I mean, that's just me, and maybe I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm just assuming he's not. 
So at least here, like the fact that we have a question more about linebackers than maybe we do defensive line and say the secondary, I think that's actually okay just because linebackers, uh, how often are you playing three linebackers on the field? Certainly not the majority mm-hmm. of the time anymore. So the fact that you've got a stud all pro with Demario Davis, that helps. So you really want to solidify who that who a second linebacker is going to be playing a lot of the snaps. And I do feel like, look, when Anthony's right, he's a good player, but he's just physically not right all the time. Uh, you know, and I think mm-hmm. they they feel like Zach Vaughn can can play different positions, whether it's Mike or whether it's Sam. And so if he can develop quickly, he could play early. Look, I think they liked what they saw from Kate Nellis uh, early last year. Yeah, he too. was playing, yeah, me you too. know, and then he got hurt. So I, I think they like what they have there. And so, you know, I, I, you know, you always have Craig Robertson, but you don't want him. Like, if he's playing on defense, you're probably not in a good spot. I mean, yeah. he's, he, he's special teams, should be special teams only. And so, uh, you know, I, I do feel like that didn't, that they've got the fact that they've got someone like CJ, GJ, uh, like you could be a little bit more, more diverse or play even Malcolm Jenkins a little bit more like uh, a linebacker per se. Well, when they uh, go three, it'll be a strong safety. They play that three yeah, safety. They play that three safety look quite a bit, right? With Dennis Allen. So well, they stopped for a long time, uh, but they, they kind of started it back up this past year just because of. CJ GJ. Like yeah. They felt like they needed to get him on the field. They, had, they were forced into playing three safeties for a lot of those lean seven and nine years because they did not have a viable nickel corner. Like yeah. Kenny Vaccaro had to play nickel and he wasn't very good. That's... So they were almost forced to do that. Here, yeah. uh, you know, they just want to get the best players on the field. They might be forced a little bit to do that, but, you know, I, I don't think it's, they have to drastically change a bunch of stuff. Uh, and because I, I do feel like that uh, if they could find one other good linebacker among that bunch to play with Davis, yeah. uh, then you're going to be in good shape. Now, if Davis goes down, you're probably in a bit of trouble. Like, yeah. that's the thing, you know? Yeah, that's... There's not, you don't have a replacement for him, really. So, he's an all-pro. Uh, that, that yeah. Goes, yeah, that goes a bit without saying about anybody. If you lose yeah. Matt Lattimore... You're probably in the heat. You lose Kim Jordan, you're in the heat. Mike Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously we can't say Drew Brees because Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0. But <laughs> you get my point. Yeah, so um, just a couple things. You, you rattled off a name there, Kenny Vaccaro. So the way I look at CJGJ is a better Kenny Vaccaro um, with better coverage skills. I know Kenny could play in the slot a little bit, and, and, he, and Kenny liked to hit. He, he did, wasn't a, a guy that shied away from contact. So I guess do you view kind of CJGJ as that replacement for Dennis Allen with a, with a Kenny Vaccaro coming in like that kind of a player, and is this the last year that we see Craig Robertson? Is he on his way out? I have a feeling that like I agreed with you. I think Caden Ellis and Joe Bacci both make this team. I saw a comparison for Joe Bacci, and they said he was a lot like Matt Milano in Buffalo. And then I watched some uh, some clips on Matt Milano. I'm like, if that's what we're getting, uh, sign me up because that guy can play specials and he's a good guy to to throw into certain situations. Uh, against the run. Yeah, Milano's a good player. Like, if Bocci become can become Milano, you're in really, really good shape. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah. he's a borderline pro bowler. Buffalo's got a good one there. Um, and uh, you look at, as far as CJ, GJ, like, I think he's a better cover guy than Vaccaro. I don't think that, you know, you know ultimately, you, you know, I, Vaccaro could cover sometimes. He could make some boneheaded plays, like, 
you know, he's he's better to me almost more as like a freelancer. You know, if you have a good enough thing, then he can take risks. But straight up coverage, he wasn't great. And so I feel like DJGJ is more of a better cover guy than maybe a thumper. We don't need him to be a thumper. Like, if he's a good cover guy, then you're in good shape. Yeah. Malcolm Jenkins is out there. Like, I feel like he's, you know, he, he's a good tackler. Uh, and, you know, and so you don't need him to be a thumper. Uh, if you don't have to be. And so I, I feel like in that sense, he's probably a little bit more diverse than Vaccaro, which is a good thing. And so, uh, yeah, but the, as far as like, Craig Robertson, like, you know, it's, if he's, he could be like a veteran guy that maybe that does get cut like in training camp. But I, I just feel like they like what he brings on special teams. He's, Look, he's got a good voice in the locker room. He's another one of those, say, DeMario and Malcolm veteran guys that, all right, like, I feel like people listen to them. And so, you know, if if Craig can keep doing that for one more year, he can do it. Uh, you know, he's a he, good voice. He's good on special teams. And, like, if that's, if that's his role, that's his role. Yeah. So, you know, but, you know, he's a veteran guy that, He's kind of always, at this point in his career, he's going to be always kind of living on the edge as far as the roster goes because he's not a regular defensive player, uh, and he's got to be good enough to be really good on special teams uh, to beat some of these younger guys out. Um Reading part of your article, uh, you, you wrote about the Taysom 1B quarterback. Um, you want to just dig into that a little bit because I don't want to start putting words in your mouth, but... Do you think that's a possibility, and do you want to explain, explain what that would look like for the Saints if they did that? Well, I, yeah, it was like a mailbag. I mean, they were asking me if he was basically going to be 1B, uh, and I said, no, I don't think he's going to be 1B, because 1B to me would be like he's, he should be mentioned as a, like a, number, uh, a number one piece right now. Like, I don't think that. Now, maybe they, they run some different things and, and expand his role, but – so I would see if he, they would mention him as one B. To me, that signifies like he would get like fifty percent of the snaps. Like I don't see that happening. So, okay. uh, but like I mean, do you think that Sean? Uh, the top. Sorry, do you think Sean would be able to? My I guess my question is, do you think Sean would be able to be the co- the coach that would that would put that two quarterback s- system in place where it actually is functional and it's not a gadget like the what did Miami run there the wing back single wing? Um, what would they call that? Yeah. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like something Wildcat. like Wildcats. Sorry, my brain went numb. Um, so, yeah, do you think Sean will be able to actually infuse it to make it look natural and effective and efficient? Uh, look, I don't think that they're going to they're gonna do that. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, think it, I think it will be for now still, uh, you know, it, it, I think it's kind of unfair to call it gadgety, but still I, I do think that, that uh, it's probably going to be similar to what we saw last year. I mean, maybe – you know, Taysom might take 15% of the quarterback snaps. You know, that's, you know, that, and, and Drew Brees takes 85. Uh, you know, I, but I do think it depends on the team that they play. And like, like say if there's a team that, boy, Drew could throw all over, they're going to, they're going to ride with that. I mean, there's yeah. no doubt. Like, they're not going to change what, what makes them great um, if, if that's what the defense uh, kind of presents to it. To them. Uh, now, maybe Taysom throws more passes. Uh, uh, and maybe that's designed. But, you know, I, I think that's that's kind of the challenge that Sean's going to run into because uh, it's all out there that 
that Taysom Hill, they're gearing him up to become the next QB1, not 1A, but QB1. Yeah. And so how do you juggle that into what you're doing when you've got a great team? I think I think Sean Payton's going to live more for the now. I think he has to uh, because this team would be too good to kind of mess around uh, drastically at quarterback. And that also brings up, like, where does Jameis Winston fit in? Uh, you know, Jameis Winston, he's basically – he, he sits unless Drew Brees gets hurt. Like, yeah. he's going to be Teddy Bridgewater. Like, Teddy Bridgewater would not have played last year if Drew was healthy. Like, that's I people I, – I think I think enough people will understand that. And so, uh, so that's kind of where Jameis is. And then when you move forward, uh, look, it's going to be up to Jameis and the Saints, like, each side. Uh, after a one-year deal, does Jameis want to come back and try to fight for that starting job? Or does he want to go somewhere else where maybe it's, it's more, you know – uh, more open because, you know, Sean Payton has, has been open about how much he really likes Taysom Hill and feel like, feels like he could be the starter in this league. Yeah. What do you have, Justin? Uh, yeah, I think we have just a couple of questions kind of like maybe more rapid fire for you just because, you know, you, the job that you have is, is a dream job for a lot of people. You got to be in the same locker room talking to people, writing about them all the time, doing podcasts, you know, all over the all over the nation and now even the continent uh, today. So a uh, couple of questions, I guess, I'm curious about, Larry. Um, what's been your best locker room interview that you've had in the past few years or even over the course of your career if one sticks out? I'll say two of them. One was with uh, Jermon Bushrod, and it – well, I'll say three. Uh, Jermon Bushrod and um, – uh, I think people remember uh, that uh, he lost a, a daughter or shortly before, uh, shortly after she was born. Yeah. And like, you know, I've known Jermon for a long time and, you know, I'm a dad. So look, I understood where he's coming from and, and, and he was just really open and honest about it. And I mean, it was, you know, it kind of gets you as, as being a dad, you know, having kids, this, that, the other. And so, you know, the fact that he trusted me and was just really open and honest and, he, he he reached out to me after and, and thanked me for for writing about it. Uh, so that one sticks out to me. Um, one with Michael Thomas a couple of years ago. Uh, this is when in Teddy Bridgewater's first season, uh, where he was just open about man, Teddy Bridgewater's going to be starter in this league again. Is that and the other? And I mean, I sat down in this locker for twenty minutes, and Michael Thomas isn't one to do that. And people were even, some of my peers were looking at me like, how did you get Michael Thomas to sit down and do that? I said, I don't know. Uh, you know, it just, <laughs> was kind of, it just kind of happened. And I've always had an actually really good rapport with Michael Thomas anyway. So that's another thing. We're just kind of being around and, uh, you know, it, and being kind of a locker room veteran reporter like me, uh, you know, maybe that kind of helped too. And then one, this was way back when I was working for CBSSports.com. And I did an interview with Reggie Bush about, like, being in a kind of a paparazzi relationship with Kim Kardashian and, like, his comfort level with it and, uh, you know, and almost being like you're a celebrity and, you know, you almost got to have to, like, watch what you do, this, that, and the other. And, like, he was he was more open than I ever thought he would be. And it, cool. it, the story was kind of a different part story to where uh, we had different reporters doing different angles. And the premise was 
uh, about uh, it was a year after Steve McNair was killed by, for lack of better terms, his mistress, and I think she killed herself. I, I think that's what it was. And yeah. so we were just kind of going around and, and asking players, uh, you know, about these things. And, you know, you got to, you know, obviously, like, you don't want to get yourself in trouble and this, that, and the other. And so, you know, and Reggie was like, look, if I was with somebody else, I'd get caught because people would, with cameras are all, all around me. I mean, that's not the motivation, but you just have to, when you're a high profile person, I mean, you have to, you have to be careful yeah. um, with how you handle yourself and how you handle relationships and this, that, and the other. And so, you know, it's a, it like, that, that's the thing. Like all uh, the first, the one with Jermon didn't surprise me. I like, just cause I've known him uh, really well for the last bunch of years. Uh, but the latter two did surprise me. So that's kind of why they stick out. That's awesome. Um, and, and and just from the current roster, uh, who's your favorite defensive player to talk to? Favorite offensive player to talk to? And also uh, favorite coach besides Sean Payton? Oh boy, favorite offensive player to talk to? I would say it's Teron Armstead. I'd say, and it's funny. Uh, oh yeah, he's grown. He's grown over the years uh, <laughs> uh, as far as being being a little more vocal. Uh, I guess be, just because he's a leader on the team, uh, because I, I can remember back when he got the job because Charles Brown stunk and his locker was right next to him, and he was really uncomfortable answering questions about taking the guy's job. He's sitting <laughs> right next to him. So, uh, so yeah, Teron Armstead, uh, I'd say he's my favorite. As far as defensively, uh, like I've got – I mean, part of this is just because I've known the guys for a long time. Cam Jordan and I – have a really good relationship. I, I, I like talking to him, but uh, Sheldon Rankins is, is awesome. Like he's a great, great interview, great person. Uh, you know, I like uh, Marcus Davenport. I really get along with. So, like you get into like that group, and it, it's really easy going. So you know, I, I feel like some of those guys, um, you know, you've been able to do that with. Uh, and then as far as coach, uh, I would say, man, there's a lot. Here's the thing. There's there's a lot of good assistant coaches who are really speak their mind and are really good. Um, I'll, I'll just, I'll be, again, it goes for a long time knowing it, but I'll just say Dennis Allen. Like, I think he's someone who, you know, you get to know him and he's, he, he's honest with you. Like that, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah. And elaborate this, that, and the other, but look, there's a lot of these assistant coaches. Uh, and it's funny. People give Pete Carmichael a bad rap sometimes because he, he Sometimes he doesn't really say a ton, but boy, I've I've gotten to know him for uh, for forever, and uh, you know he's he's easily the one of the most likable coaches I've ever been around. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, it, but there's a lot of good ones. There's not a there's not a lot of like bad like none of them are bad. Like all of them are good. It's like you're having to pick the best out of the good. Really. Yeah, Greg Greg Williams is gone now, so that's awesome. <laughs> hey, I always got along with Greg until probably he, now. Yeah, uh, he seems like. We'll get you out of here. We don't want to keep you too long. Just got a couple more questions, and then we'll uh, we'll let you go. But uh, just really briefly, it, over your time with the Saints, because it's we're we're bridging on what almost twenty years covering the Saints. Uh, well, this will be 
my 15th season. 15th, so, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're up, we're getting up there. Um, yeah. Knowing what you know and 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 how far you've you've covered them, who are the the least approachable or the, or the, I guess you could, they could say the most the most disliked Saints that you've come in contact with? Give me two, and I already know Junior Gallet's one of them. So we'll we'll take just give me your one. So take Junior Gallet off because I think that's like an honest answer. As like you know, saying who do you hate, Atlanta. Um, so who's one of the most unapproachable Saints or dislike Saints that you've come in contact with? Yeah, Junior Gallet and I have definitely had our uh, ups and mostly downs, um, <laughs> but that's his fault, not mine. Um, I would I would have to say, like, there are a few that come to mind. I don't think they're terrible people, but uh, I would say Brandon Browner was terrible. He was tough? Like, and, and he was, like, he wanted to fight people. Like, he was a total jerk. People even, he would interrupt people's interviews and his teammates would be mad at him. Be like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? And it was, and look, it doesn't surprise me that he's in jail right now. Like it just doesn't. So, um, you know, so I I just say the one year that Brandon Browner was around, uh, that's, that's a regrettable decision by the saints. They all know it, but there's some others that have been, uh, that have been tough. Uh, like I, I don't think, uh, Jeremy Shockey was always great. I didn't think Jimmy Graham was always great. Jimmy Graham, once he got good, became a bit of a different person. And, you know, toward the media, you know, I'm not saying he's like a terrible guy. You know, that's where I'm coming from. I just think Brandon Brown was a bad guy. And that's why, you know, that that's why I point to him even for one year. Because I could, I could rattle off 50 other great guys. Yeah. And, it, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, we asked this question – and it's easy for me to come up with just a couple just because they they really kind of stick out. But I could I could bring up 50 guys who I say, man, I really like those guys and that and the other. Well, here's a question. It's a tough and it's just This isn't in, in my notes or anything like that, but I'm, at, I'm interested to ask. We know he's in jail. We know the things that he did are atrocious, and he's an awful person. But what was Darren Sharper like in that locker room, if you could speak on that? I think even with his teammates and myself, I think, I think we were all shocked that this is what he became as a person uh, mm. because that is not who I thought he was. Like, it, and it, it's like the ultimate, man, you don't really know a guy. Uh, you, you know, I could say I like this guy, I like that guy. I like Darren Sharp. I mean, he was a nice guy, always approachable, charming, uh, this, that, and the other. And then, I mean, he is what he is now. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's definitely one of those things where you think you know someone, but boy, you you, you don't. Yeah. And I could tell you, teammates, ex-teammates of his, are in the same boat. I remember writing about that right after, and uh, one of his one of his ex-teammates said, you know, that they wanted they wanted to beat the crap out of him, like they were that pissed yeah. uh, about because it was basically like a betrayal of their trust. And boy, you know, this is not the guy I thought you were. And, uh, and so, like, it was, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely something I didn't see coming. I don't think anyone really saw coming. And so, you know, it's different than some other guys. Like, I, I mean, I mentioned Brandon Browner. I would have saw that coming, yeah. uh, you know, and, but not with Sharper. No, he was, he was on the fast track of being, you know, look, one of these media NFL guys. He was on yeah. the NFL Network. Yeah, he really, he, was, ruined, he really he was, ruined it for himself. Right. And, yeah. yeah and, Look, now he is what he is. And, yeah. uh, that's that's look, I, that, that's the thing. In journalism, yeah. 
you think, or even in life, you think you can know somebody, and boy, you know, you, you leave that locker room and they leave the facility and, and they're a different person. Yeah, it's, it's tough to segue from that, but let's, we're, we're doing this thing on our podcast where we're asking people questions about the five most disliked teams that they have and one non-Saints team that you cheer for. So I'd be interested, I know you haven't done any research on this, but could you just rattle them off in your head? Could you think about the five, starting with your fifth team that you dislike in the NFL? What's your fifth most disliked team in the NFL? Oh, fifth most disliked team in the NFL? Oh, my gosh. Um, let's see. I, I would this boy, this is hard. Yeah. I, I, I think the... Uh, and, and here's my... It's like my dislike isn't like from a fan. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Dislike, yeah. An organization. Yeah, like, uh, like, in, in, ter- in, ter- in terms of what be, they've done done to the Saints, too. Like, so John Hendricks, his 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 five were, he had the San Francisco 49ers at five, the Bears at four because he hates the fans, three, Minnesota because of all the heartache, two, he had Dallas because, well, they're Dallas, and one, obviously, was Atlanta. So th- that was John Hendricks' five. Um, okay. I'm, I'm a different name, I'm sure. <laughs> like, I don't have the same family as like, You're cutting out there, Larry. Yeah, your phone's cutting out. So I had I got I got the Jets at four. Uh, but, uh, but, nah, you know, see, that's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't 
Now, here's the thing. I don't like going to Atlanta. Like, that's a city I don't like going to. Like, when I travel there for, for games, I want to get in that morning and fly out that night. Oh, I don't wow. want to be there any longer than I have to. So, we'll just throw them in there. Fine. Okay. I mean, I, you know, I don't. Uh, uh, just for that, I'm just like, eh, eh, eh. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so then. Like I said, I don't, I don't have a great list like maybe some others do, but my, mine comes from kind of a different perspective. And you did it, you did it off the cuff, which is awesome. Um, if you had to yeah. cheer for one team in the NFL, so it's not the Saints, and you, you watch them on Sunday or Monday or whatever, and they win, and you're like, good for them. What's, what's the team that you kind of cheer for that's a non-Saints team? Are you interested in hearing what the other personalities, what they chose? Yeah, yeah. So Chris, Chris, Chris Vogelu, Chris Rosvoglu took Buffalo because they remind them of the Saints because they're kind of like a, a storied franchise that gets kind of beat up on. John took Baltimore. Justin and I took Baltimore. Uh, Nader Murphick uh, took Detroit Lions because he grew up in Detroit. Ralph Marlboro from Saints Happy Hour took KC. And Andrew Juge took Tennessee. That's okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't like Detroit as a city. Like, Buffalo's a good one. I, I think that's, that is one where, boy, they are some diehards. And yeah. they have kind of gotten hosed a lot uh, as far as not winning Super Bowls and this, that, and the other. And, of course, they're tied to OJ, poor people, which is <laughs> not their fault either. So, uh, no, but I think that Buffalo one is a good one. I, 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 yeah, I, you know, it's... Uh, I almost kind of want to say the Texans. I don't know, because I lived in Houston for a couple of years, and, uh, you know, I like Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, and, and they're always going to take a backseat to the, the Cowboys. So, you know, I'll be different. I, I like the Buffalo pick, but I'll go Texans. Let me go Texans. Maybe proximity helps, too. That's perfect. That's okay. You know what? As a, When I was younger and they had David Carr, Andre Johnson, like I actually cheered for the Texans because they kind of were like parallel to the Saints. Played in a dome, didn't win a lot. You know what I mean? Like they they ran the ball. They didn't run the ball much. They kind of gunned it up. I like I like the Texans a bit. Yeah, a couple of years before uh, I started covering the Saints, uh, I lived in Houston and I worked for the newspaper in Galveston, Texas, on the coast, and so we covered a lot a lot of Houston stuff. So I, you know, I was around when David Carr was there, and uh, you know, and Andre Johnson, this, that, and the other. So you know, I, I felt like that. Uh, uh, who knows? But I'll just go Texans. Let's be different. I'll Perfect. go Texans. Why not? Justin, you got anything else there? Yeah, you know, I think our, our last question we're going to ask you today, Larry, is, you know, in 2017, obviously, we had the best draft class uh, that we can remember and probably won't have to or, or ever see that again for maybe a, a long while, unless we do what should be great. But 
um, now that, that draft class needs to get paid right away. So there's four guys that stick out in our mind, uh, and we're going to ask you which one do you think doesn't get paid coming up. So between Marcus Williams, Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchick, and, of course, Alvin Kamara, if we weren't to sign all four of them, which seems like it might be impossible to do, which of those four can you not see in the Saints jersey next year? Uh, I would say Marcus Williams, uh, just because of the position. Uh, look, I, you know, running backs aren't getting paid uh, a ton anymore, uh, or, or their shelf life is, is shorter. Uh, I just feel like Kamara is uh, more uh, closer to like the elite level of a running back. Marcus Williams is kind of a middle of the road safety, and uh, you know, I, I think it's. Uh, uh, I think he will, like, someone might pay for him, but I don't think the Saints are going to shell out big bucks for him. Uh, and so, uh, you know, if, if you're going to ask me of the four, I would say Marcus Williams. Um, and then, uh, like, I, I would, but I would, I would list it as Marcus Williams four, Tamara three, uh, let's see, who, between Lattimore and Ramchek, I would say getting paid, I'd probably say, Lattimore to Ramchick one. That's where I would go. Yeah, I I agree. There's there's a lot of pe- people that are kind of you know pining for uh, AK to be let go, but I think he's a special talent. I think he was injured last year, and when we see him at his best, that makes us a completely different team. And when Drew goes, I don't think people understand. It's like when people have a thousand dollars in their bank account and they go buy something for nine hundred dollars and forget the fact that they got to live for the rest of the month on that one hundred dollars left. Like, when Drew leaves, that cupboard's going to be somewhat bare. We're going to have to rely on the run game a little bit more than we do now. And uh, that's going to change the makeup of what we're doing. So I think AK's got to stay. I think we got talent there at the running back position. And uh, Marcus going, it's, it's no fault of Marcus's, though, in my opinion, Larry and, and Justin. I think that Marcus Williams has made so many good plays for the Saints, but his four bad splash plays are traumatic. And people just have a tough time getting past those plays. Like, yeah, as far as uh, as far as Kamara, uh, I, I think the Saints need him. I think he's a vital piece of the offense. Like you know, a, a healthy Kamara is is dynamite for this offense. And but you know, uh, he's such a diverse player. I think he. Uh, that, that's the thing, though. It's like, do you want to pay him like Christian McCaffrey? Like that's the question. Like you want him on your team, but at what cost? So I think that's. That's part of the question there. And, like, I think uh, Marcus Williams actually, like, yeah, his bad plays are so much more highlighted than his good plays. I feel like his coverage skills were better last year than people gave him credit for. But I can tell you, just kind of doing the research, and I'm going to write about this uh, uh, soon, uh, but the missed tackles, are, I think, are more problematic. They were more problematic last year than any year he played. And people look at him as missing on tackles and this, that, and the other. Uh, so that sticks out more because I feel like his coverage skills were actually pretty good last year, the way he was doing things. But when you're, when you're in that position, you get beat, it's like it's like blown up because it's so obvious. It's not as obvious as, like, say, Larry Warford struggled mightily last year. He got beat way more than he ever got beat. But you don't talk about it as much because he's in the interior of the offensive line. So yeah. you know, I, I think that I think Marcus is better than what people give him credit for. But you know, I, I think in another hand, like boy, you, you can't give up 
big plays and missed tackles, this, this, that, and the other. So it's, it's such a Marcus Williams is such a curious case because I do think that he has really good skills, uh, but when he makes a mistake, it brings back all the bad memories. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, um, I guess we got one last question. We'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, your favorite non-2009 Saints memory? Oh, boy. Um, well, the first home game I ever covered was the uh, the Katrina Dome coming. That one's hard to uh, ignore. Uh, that's uh, That one's certainly hard to ignore, I'd say that. But, uh, no, a cool uh, kind of a personal memory uh, and for me, uh, it, just in the way I was able to write it, uh, when, when Drew Brees uh, broke the, the passing record, uh, passing Peyton Manning and Brett Favre. Uh, Against Washington? On, yeah, yeah. And, I was there. Uh, you know, I, was, had, I was in the Dome for that yeah, game. Yeah, he had the moment. We had the moment with his kids on the sideline, this, that, and the other. But yeah. afterwards, afterwards, like in the locker room, like his kids were in there, this, that, and the other, and they were – uh, you know, they were just being kids, and, and Drew was, like, just trying to, you know, be a dad, this, that, and the other. And he's walking to his kids with the lo- out into the locker room, outside the locker room, into the podium area. And, like, when he's on his way, he's, uh, they're like, well, Dad, what are we doing tomorrow? Uh, this, that, and the other. He's like, well, you're gonna get, you guys are going to be hanging out with me tomorrow. And it, it was just, like, something cool and, like, it's this, this huge moment. And Drew's like, look, we're going to hang out with together, this, that, and the other. And, you know, I was able to kind of write that because I was the only one around him, and it, it was it was just a cool moment being a dad, you know? So That's it was, awesome. Uh, you, you don't get to see that a lot, uh, especially in some of these big moments, the sad and the other. So just, that's just kind of one little snippet to me that, you know, not a lot of people, I don't know if anyone else saw it, uh, outside of me, Drew, and the kids. So, uh, I, you know, that's just kind of one of those inside-the-locker-room really cool moments that, uh, that I was able to see just from one of the all-time greats. That's awesome, man. That is really, really awesome. That's great. Uh, Justin, do you have anything else before we get out of here? No, I, I just want to say, Larry, man, it was such a pleasure to have you on. I, I've been reading your articles for as long as I can remember, and um, and talking to you, it's uh, definitely like a celebrity appearance on our on our podcast. So I appreciate all your words, your wisdom, and your writing, and, and I hope to hear from you again on our podcast, man. That was uh, a great interview, and you had such good answers, and just the general conversation was fantastic as well. So thank you so much, Larry. Uh, I know Ryan and I, we, we appreciate doing podcasts, you know, together, just him and I. And if we can get guests on uh, with, with, you know, credentials and notable names, it makes our, our day a lot better too. So uh, you're one of those guys that we kind of circled and hoped to got, and, and we got you and definitely um, was worth the wait. So thank you so much, Larry. No, I got to appreciate it. Y'all, dude, y'all had some great questions. Made me think. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, and it's just like, yeah, I, I like I like the style. No, I, I appreciate you guys big time. Uh, good luck with everything. And then, uh, yeah, I won't be uh, I won't be a stranger. So, uh, but yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having perfect. me on. And you know what? Like we said, use our idea. You go use that idea, man. You take the you take the years. You you do your research. It was a lot. Hey, I'll tell you this, Larry. It was a lot of fun. Justin and I were both giggling at how much fun we were having. We're like little kids. It's the most research we've ever done. And we're both teachers. That's <laughs> the most research we've ever done. We're, we're digging into seasons and being like, yeah, this was the year Chris Ivory only played seven games, but he averaged 4.4 yards a carry. He's our fullback. And, you know, like just a bunch of different things. So, yeah, man, if you do that, that'd be awesome. And, uh, yeah, like, like Justin said, I, I, I just say the exact same thing that, uh, that he said. We really appreciate it. And the Honorable Larry Holder, we'll leave that one on there. We'll put, we'll put that in the write-up there. 
Uh, man, we always get out. We always get out of here by saying who that man. So who that? Take care. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Man. Good luck with everything, and then uh, yeah, keep the pot rolling. Good stuff, guys. All right, man. Take care, Larry. Okay. Bye.